This is Boat Crew RPG with Not All That Glitters. You guys have a large full buffet available to you. Various traditional Danish foods. And I am unfortunately not completely fluent in the popular continental breakfast in continental Europe, but we're going to assume that among other things, there's various preparations of eggs and sausages and cheese danishes, pastries, breads, offerings of cereal and juice, tea, coffee, milk, and who knows how many other assorted things. It's an incredibly full bar of it. Far more of a buffet than three people seemed likely to eat. But at the moment, it's just the three of you there with food. Everyone loads up their plates, I'm sure. Actually, not quite. Anna's doing the French thing of having a very strong cup of coffee and a croissant and dipping the croissant in the coffee and then eating it and dipping it and eating it. And that's that's her breakfast. Maddie would probably get herself a cup of tea, a fruit salad, and on the uh, make a kind of like a corner on the side of her plate for anything that Joseph telepathically tells her he wants and she'll listen within moderation and make him a, a tiny little plate so that when she's eating, she'll kind of accidentally drop something on her lap for him to eat. All right. The door to the room actually was politely closed for you guys after you've stepped in. It was noted on the sign outside as private conference. And after everyone's gotten a chance to start eating, dig in for a bit, the door opens for a brief moment, closes, and a somewhat well-dressed man. And when I mean somewhat well-dressed, I mean a full morning suit instead of just a business suit. Something that looks a little out of date comes in on a gentleman in his probably late 50s holding a small box about, you know, 30 centimeter cube or so, sets it on the table, opens the lid to reveal a large spherical crystal, and then quietly says, I'll leave it to you then. In Dutch, walks back out and closes the door behind him. Any quick reactions from anyone? I'm going to look at Maddie. You are the one who handles crystals. What is even going on? The the just to translate for you guys, the man just said to, that he would leave it to us and that we are to figure out what the hell to do with this. Is that all he said? Yep. Maddie kind of looks at the box and then looks at the door, and then I think her natural instinct is gonna be to try to chase the man and see if she can get more information out of him. As you start heading over you can notice a flicker of light inside the crystal. It's no longer just a sphere that's relatively translucent, but instead starts emitting a bit of a soft candle-like glow to it. And the glow slowly comes into focus, looking like it's inside of a ancient stone building with a forge in it and a very comfortable worn wooden chair beside there the forge just like it just been put there for convenience the crystal seems to shift 
back and forth a tiny bit as though being positioned for the image like a camera being positioned rather. And then a short man, man who you drew and somebody mistook for Grumpy sits down in that chair, a dwarf who looks old, slightly tired, slightly like he's had a very long, long day, but with very piercing eyes and looks into the crystal on from his side. Good morning, he says. First in Dutch and then in English. Uh, uh I mean, good morning. What? That That's the guy from my dreams. Yes, we met then. Good to see you again. It looks like he was trying to remember one. Aurelia. How do we even know that? I asked. I followed the threads. I've been consulting with the Norns. For, for anyone who does not know who the Norns are, this would be a really good chance to do a quick intelligence plus a cult roll to full D6. And everyone got successes. Excellent. Effectively, the Norns are the fates with a bit of a Norse twist. They tend to spin out the tapestry of the future and know a lot of what will be. They're consulted by gods, mythological beings, and such like that. And unlike their Greek interpretations, the Norse ones are even more implacable when it comes to if they say it's going to happen, you don't really have much of a choice about it. The Greek ones, at least in theory, listen to some of the Greek gods when they're given some directions. But in practice, they are still a version of the fates, and they do as they will. The Norns told me that you might be my best solution and how to find you to get back a trinket I made a very long time ago, the Environaut, a ring that I made and Loki stole from me back when your smiths were still working out how to make iron. Okay, okay, that's all well and good. I I hear you. I, I realize you have a problem at hand. Um, please don't come into my dreams like with an out announcing yourself, especially. I won't do it again. It was hard to find a way to say hello to you there. You were somewhat in a rush and confused when I was trying to get to a liminal space between where I am and where you are. You didn't have a doorbell. You didn't have a butler. Yeah, because I don't accept visitors. Duly noted. However, I would like to put that behind us, if you're so willing, and make a request, which is also an offer. I would like you to help me get back my missing ring. I very much plan on destroying it. It's caused too much trouble, and I'm not sure if I could even uncurse it myself anymore. And I don't know of any way other than me to break it. That's all well and good, but I I have two questions. Why now? Why wait this long? If you've waited until like since the time we were still trying to create iron, like why now? It can't be tracked by normal magic. I thought that I was being clever when I did that because I would keep it from being stolen. Unfortunately, it was still stolen anyway, and I had to wait until somebody was able to tell me of signs of it showing up. 
it's on auction very soon. Oh, yeah, that's not that's not great. I give the uh, glass ball like a blank stare. It's on auction. Yeah, apparently it was in a Swiss deposit box most recently, and the contents of that box are coming up for auction very shortly. I barely found out about it before now. That's why I contacted you as quickly as I could after asking the norms who I could go to. Okay, okay. Walk me or us through it. What happens to the people in the auction house that handle the ring? And what happens to the hypothetical person purchasing it? Well, as best I can tell, the curse on it and the blessings on it have been dormant for some time. The last report I was able to get at it was it getting stolen almost a thousand years ago. And I couldn't track it after that. It Last time I saw it, it, I found a survivor who was able to tell me about it being in the Pyrenees. Okay, well, let's, let's pause for a second. First of all, this ring... Uh, from what we've read up on, it's pretty cursed. And from what Aurelia saw in her, in her dreams, anyone who touches it is cursed. Does that mean if we touch it directly, is it okay to touch in a box? Like, how are we going to transport this thing? It's cursed twofold. Anyone who attempts to use its power falls under its curse. And anyone who tries to possess it by violence or force falls under its curse. It's also extremely desirable, so anyone who sees it tends to want to own it. So we have to buy it. Or steal it without using violence or force. I would suggest obtaining it, because technically it's mine, and you're getting it for me. It's not a theft when you're getting it. But if you use violence or force, you could wake up the curse. And if you try to use the power of it at all, you could wake up the curse. Yeah, that sounds like we're trying to gamble on like fairy contract magic. I'm not I'm not keen on doing any of that, honestly. If uh, somebody gets it who does not have a respect for the curse itself, there's a far worse chance. You've heard of Fafnir? He was only the first one to fall under the greed upon it. And frankly, the curse grew a lot bigger than I thought it was going to be. I just wanted it to bring ruin on anyone who stole it until it came back to me. I didn't intend it on turning them into gold-hungering dragons. Okay, that's definitely raising the stakes a bit. Uh, so you want us to buy the string, but, uh, and she looks a little awkward. At least, I can't speak for everyone, but at least I am a, I come from very humble backgrounds and even a simple gold ring would definitely be above anything I could afford. Um, is this something where you're giving us the funds to act on your behalf? If you can get there before the auction tonight in Bern, then I will reimburse whatever the cost is. Gold answers me. Even without it, gold still answers me. Problem is, you got to get there first. And I didn't have a lot of warning. I'm perfectly comfortable with you getting it by sneaky means but be very careful about use of violence doing so. I was hoping especially that it would backfire on Loki because I targeted it on everything that jerk does. And then he gives it away. 
No one else ever gave that thing away afterwards, but he gave it away. He sighs and puts his head in his hands and pulls at his beard a bit. Maddie will make a very dramatic kind of showmanship gesture to Joseph, who's standing on the table, and say, well, luck's on our side for this one, because I have got the sneakiest of the sneaky on our side. And I'm not a particularly violent person, so I don't think any of us would. And she kind of pauses and then looks at Aurelia. Well, we don't normally resort to violence. We're not that type of group. That's good. And I won't just reimburse you. But if you can get this for me, I'm willing to make sure that none of you have any money trouble for quite some time, as long as you take payment in gold. It will be... It will be hard to convert, but not impossible. And that answers my second question. Maddie's going to kind of look at Anne and Aurelia and say, "Uh, just one second, and kind of huddle with them in a corner to discuss and say, okay, so on the one hand, we'd never have to worry about money again, which (laughs) chantries are expensive and tech is expensive. And then she looks at Aurelia and I guess the... Things at Goodwill are expensive sometimes if you buy enough of it. But if something goes wrong, we're talking about a curse on whichever one of us is holding that thing for the rest of our lives. What Aurelia saw in her dream was a gnarled body, a twisted body. We don't, I mean, I don't know enough about this curse to risk it. Does anyone feel comfortable risking it? Yeah, I'm going to be honest. I already have money if I want it. So is that what I'm feeling is I kind of want to see this thing destroyed. I hope the the guy over there pulls through with destroying it. Um, but if we have to do it ourselves, somehow I'm willing to give it a shot. I agree. I want it's I don't need the money, but um, my funds are limited and having slightly less limited funds is always nice. Um, and yeah, this thing needs to be destroyed. Also, I want to study it after it is destroyed. So that's the only offer, the only thing that I will demand more. And I think we can do it. Like burn is, burn is eight, nine hours away. We can make that shorter. Should be, should be more than doable to get there in time. Joseph looks up from you guys at the table and I don't think Anne's really heard him in her head before but he is a psychic mouse after all and just says you know that we could get more out of him than just some gold if we really wanted to we're not gonna extort the dwarf joseph it's not extortion it's negotiation we are going to negotiate the dwarf because i need that ring after the dwarf is done with it have you heard what he said about the ring it makes you want it it makes you crave it do you really want to risk that that's precisely why I want to uh, get you on board with us destroying it. Well, he said that he would destroy it. All I want is the destroyed object. I do expect destroying does mean that the curse is removed. And otherwise, I will I will demand that it is. Yeah, and what if he like trades it to the, I don't know, technocracy or whatever? Yeah, exactly. He might offer this to someone else. Also... That's another question I need to ask him is why doesn't he just go himself? And if he has the funds, why doesn't he buy it? It is technically his already. So, yeah. 
well, maybe he's just in a different point of time. Maybe he's stuck at a different point in time and he can't time travel. I don't know. He's been in my dreams. Yeah. And he's in our room now. Like he could probably send an, an, a, a representative for him. Anyway, we can just, he's right there. We can just ask. Okay, fine, fine, fine. And then she turns around and puts her arms, you know, crosses her arms and looks very serious to try to do her best of looking like a, a businesswoman of sorts and says, okay, so we have some questions for you. Some things in your story are not lining up. You say gold answers to you. You have this money. Why can't you just buy this ring at this auction, have it shipped to you, and then have that be the end of the problem? And if, you know, you can't have some sort of proxy get it to you that isn't us, why do you need the three of us specifically to handle this for you? What is your desire with this ring? There are incredibly few people who still take my story seriously. And only a, a couple dozen at most who uh, pray to me anymore. None of them are true wizards such as yourself, young lady. And as for getting going there in person, it's not the best for me to step out of the far spirit worlds where I am. I'm in Nidalvere. I am not in Midgard with you. Wouldn't a simple cloaking spell, some sort of glamour magic disguise you well enough so you could get this ring yourself and now she's kind of looking very skeptical who looks at you i am a dwarf not a human ever since the gauntlet went up it is a very hard and different journey for us to cross it okay yeah that actually lines up yeah um maddie has more than enough knowledge to realize okay he is a spirit not a person so he'd have to materialize, and then you'd have to find a way to turn that gold into money that they would take at the auction in a short period of time. Okay, so that does line up with, you know, her theory of either he's in a different dimension or a different point of time. Now she's kind of doing the math in her head, thinking about the gold, like, can he really pay us? Can he really deliver? But, you know, as lawful good as she tends to be, she's more concerned about the harm that this could do to whoever's hands it ends up falling into. So she kind of nods and says, well, how do we protect ourselves from this ring? Aside from not putting it on or looking at it, just keeping it in a box, is there anything else we can do to sort of quiet the whispering of its you know, enticing nature? As long as you promise to work as my agents in this, it, the desire of it will not affect you and as long as you can keep it hidden until you can reach me, anyone who does not know you have it will not know to seek it. So long as you don't attempt to use it or, as I've been saying, get it by force. And how do we give it to you? There's a verge in Vaduz, which has a path which leads to my realm. Yeah, Maddie kind of seems uninterested in that bit since she works well with spirits. In her mind, she's already kind of making a map of how to get from their world through the Umbra to kind of get to the dwarf. Her concern is more, A, can he really pay up? And B, can we really pull this off? So she reiterates, and now she's kind of making a mental note. So no force, no violence, no putting it on, no looking at it. And all we have to do is get it to you. Once it's in our possession, if somebody takes it from us by force 
or violence, then they're immediately cursed. Is that my correct understanding? Yeah, the curse starts working on them the moment they do so. Okay, so but, that actually works in our favor. And that is, is not too far from Bern. Only a few hours by train. Okay, so we have to survive a ride to this place, get the ring, which we can easily buy, presumably. Once it's in our possession, one train right away of no violent encounters, and it should be a done deal. Sounds, dare I say it, simple? No, no, you dare definitely not say that ever. <laughs> nope. Why Why did you say this? Aurelia, you start to hear the sound of clattering dice in the back of your head. Yeah. As somebody with your level of power and understanding of entropy, you know that the dominoes of fate have just started to fall and where they lead. We discussed your offer a little bit. And with this additional information, I would like to, to, to add to uh, our pay. Um, I very, very much like to either get the item after it is destroyed for study or spend a year in your realm and look over your shoulder. I'm willing to spend a year teaching you. Once I've destroyed it, it'll be not but melted metal. And has problems controlling her excitement on this, but luckily she's been in China for long enough that she has picked up how to be extremely reserved when you are very happy with something. <laughs> so she said, then from my side, this deal is accepted. Are there any further requests from either of you? He gestures through the crystal towards Aurelia and Madeline. Can I actually use my entropy to like find out how fucked we are if we do this? You can get a rough idea of that. And entropy magic is also, if you had concerns that he was lying, a way of detecting lies. Oh, interesting. Uh, yeah, I definitely had concerns about him destroying it earlier. Yeah, entropy helps you detect lies and oaths. Okay, I want to do that for sure. All right, that's a sensory spell. So it's going to be Arate versus a difficulty of four to be able to determine things that are on a sensory detection kind of level. What were you doing to try to detect whether or not you've been lying? Or are you detecting whether or not you are potentially screwed over by this first? Uh, I think the method that I would choose is kind of like a calculating one. So I would not exactly look at his facial expression um, but instead I would try to like uh, map out his steps that he might want to take in my head like what he uh, gains with um, uh, telling us the truth or what he would gain with telling us lies and how that would um, how that would change fate basically. All right well you did net two successes on that and while there certainly are things that he could gain if Envaranot is as powerful and useful as it is in Legends, it does not appear at all that he is attempting to deceive you. It seems like he is being straightforward and honest, and that he has been thinking through a lot of the details. And Vari means the careful one, or the crafty one, depending on how you translate it. How it shows up even on a very quick web search. So he's thought through what he's offered in advance, it seems like, carefully. And he is not known in any of the very few stories about him for being a liar. That probably also means he's not setting us up for a trap. 
not that he is aware of and not that is his intent doesn't mean there is no trap because this item has been held by loki who is a trickster and likes to trap things well guys you've heard how bad this ring is even if there is you know some sort of trap on it can we really afford to say no whoever gets a hold of this could you know start some sort of domino effect that really affects all of us or even the whole world we can't afford to not say that we'll do it it's just fate brought us here the universe called on us it's an honor to assist especially if the norns sent for us but to call it an honor might be a little bit over exaggerated this just feels like one of those life tasks yeah but think about it all the witches all the mages they chose us that says something about us and starts to just say through her teeth at Madeline, don't don't make the deal too sweet if you make the deal too sweet you will get a bad deal so there's no other boon that either of the two of you asked me for equivalent to that which ended aside from the money i think madeline would inquire as to what his relationship like what his standing is with the gods of the Norse pantheon particularly thor i haven't interacted with thor in some time loki used my ring after stealing it to pay for odin thor and tear to get out of a hostage situation where they were the hostages great and she kind of pauses and tries to think of something that she really really could use she says okay i'd like an athame hand forged i can do this with some perks if you know what i mean it will be a worthy and fair recompense and it will not be cursed against you or anything like that it will be true to your intents and deeds excellent and she takes a step back you know in her mind she's geeking out because she's going to get a hand forged relic athame out of this if she, you know she makes it out alive and varia looks over to aurelia and you what other objects of your making are in our world i cannot think of anything as crucial or meaningful that has been taken from me over the years have bartered for various deals numerous pieces of smithcraft but none of them have had such an impact will you make one of such an impact again it's unlikely the world was much younger then it's older and more tired now i am older and more tired now it has been a long time and sooner or later the great winter comes if i make anything else it might be to delay that winter if it can be delayed but that is all that is acceptable to me you know so then we're agreed you'll want to reach baron before the auction if possible not it might be slightly more complicated it's being held in the museum of fine arts maddie dots and says okay you've got a deal how do we contact you when we have it in our possession go to vadus along the river you will find a large park at the park there is a fountain if you step onto the mosaic circle beside the fountain and strike the ground 3 times it will create an opening through the shallowing there which allows you to get to the my realm by the fastest method left okay well i guess we better get going then we've got a lot of ground to cover and not a lot of time to do it in 
All right, close the box then and my servant will come and collect this crystal. It is a deal. And Aurelia, since you had said that you were paying attention to things with the guise of entropy, you can feel that the fates have recognized that this deal is in place, binding oaths and all that. Interesting things happen to those who don't stay true to them. Yay. All right, you guys are able to finish your meal. And what's everyone's thought for their next step? Or do we want to take another small break here before we decide the next step? Uh, Well, we said we would stop in 10 minutes. So not taking or like taking another break might not be. Okay, yeah, 10 minutes. Yeah, (laughs) I see that. (laughs) Um, I do have a plan to get us to burn almost instantaneously um and i think Anne will also say that just at the tables just matter of factly like i i i have a way of bending my thumbs into things but that's easier from where i live i need to grab some stuff from my place anyway because i didn't expect us to go on a complete field trip um so I brought some essentials, but not the necessities that I need. So my my uh, proposal is to you get you gather up your stuff, check out, and then we go to my place. Okay, we can be ready in five minutes. All right, it's a reasonable and fair drive towards Anne's place. As you get there, you can see the great amount of clouds overhead on this cold February day. It's been like a bit of snow uh, here. Yeah. So, and the wind is from the west. Oh gosh. Yeah. Then we will definitely have snow. Um, Anne lives in a town called Leiden, which is a university city ten uh, in the uh, south, like about twenty minutes, twenty-five minutes south of Amsterdam. So you drive through. Uh, a part of Amsterdam, and then there is a very tiny bit of fields which shows how extremely flat the Netherlands is because you can just see for five kilometers in in one direction and the dunes in the other direction. And then you enter Leiden, which looks kind of similar to Amsterdam, but still has a different vibe, less tourist-oriented, slightly... The, the outskirts of Amsterdam are very much built in a way where it's like, this is built quite quickly to house quite a bunch of people. Leide is less so. And she at the one point stops in the street uh, and there is there is a pretty plain house in the middle of it. Um, and she leads you upstairs to her upstairs tiny apartment uh, that's uh, on top of this this. Typical Dutch house, a typical old Dutch house, I must say, because nowadays we have many just normal houses. Um, yeah. And in her bedroom, there is, it just looks like a normal house. And then you enter her bedroom, or she takes you to her bedroom, and there is a closet there, which she just swiftly moves aside with just a handle on the side. And it opens up a very tiny version of her lab, which is her home, (laughs) her study room at home, uh, where I bet she has some sort of contraption where she could make portals because I actually have three dots in correspondence, which means that I can pierce space. Three dots in correspondence normally lets you move yourself around. 
but because you also have life and matter, you can transport other people and their belongings without needing to have the fourth dot in correspondence, which is what would usually make a gateway. Yep. Well, no, the third already says that you can use, you can make a portal for that allows a character to step through from one place to another. Oh yeah, so long as she is alone and light encumbered, but we can just combine stuff, which is something she has already done in her. There's like this big circular structure she can stand in and then she just she folds her thumbs in a fourth dimension which is a little bit weird and then she just rips it apart slowly and it opens up to a bathroom someone somewhere in burn all right now that's an interesting way of doing things you got a physical device that lets you twist yourself in a fourth dimension this is a roll against a difficulty seven to be able to pull open a portal from your, your device and what do you have to connect to burn with as a correspondence anchor you need details about it to be able to connect to like if you had a, an address or a piece of a place like you took a chipping from a cobblestone in a corner of two alleys or you left a you've been to burn before and you happen to leave a couple microchips with a transceiver in a hotel bathroom or something like that what's your anchor that you're going towards i think it's twofold she knows the address because she knows that it needs to be close to the museum um therefore she can write down the uh the address and as uh language numbers uh, and writing and runes are all magical focus devices for her, all instruments she uses, as well as devices and machines. Um, that adds to it as well. And I do think that she at one point indeed was in in burn, and she has a tendency to just leave tiny, tiny cockwheels behind trash cans in toilets. So that is her her added. Uh, honing in signal basically so she has both the address of that place where of the place where the toilet is as well as a tiny device that just keeps on sending a signal back to base all right yeah you're able to look up the serial number basically of that specific cog that you'd hidden in the back of the toilet glued to the inside wall of it where it wouldn't go away when it got flushed or anything like that and leave you finding yourself flailing around in a sewer. <laughs> that would be something, though. Yeah. I'm presuming she's got a good amount of foresight here. <laughs> and this sounds like it's going to be a bit of a ritual to be able to create this portal. So we're talking about to move everyone there. We've got six, two familiars, three mages. So we need five successes for the number of individuals. And given that you have a pretty good link to it, let me do a really quick check on how many successes that's going to be for getting to a cog that you have. There is a wonderful little table for these things. Three more successes. So you're going to need to get a total of eight successes on this. A roll for a big effect like this 
is usually one hour. So if you get it with in two rolls, that's two hours of work. If you get it in three rolls, three hours of work, et cetera. And if it, you think it might take you more than three hours to get eight successes with four dice on a difficulty seven, then it becomes similar to driving time. Not yet. It would still be half driving time. Uh, okay. It's eight hours. I, I like I quickly did a Amsterdam burn is eight hours and 37 minutes, according to Google. And if we wouldn't use uh, matter or space or whatever to to quicken our drive there. Yeah, I mean, it's that or take a plane. Yeah, but then you have check-in time and and that's time a different mess. Yeah, eight hours and well, four hours or five hours, but still and carbon oh. footprint. <laughs> also, we have Madeline. <laughs> yep. All right. So your base difficulty is seven on this roll. I'll give you one roll of intelligence plus technology on a difficulty seven, because this is for an extended task. Every two successes you get on it for preparation work will lower your difficulty for the magic. All right. And we're going to say that all that preparation you do will take an hour for setup. Is that fair? I got one success on the intelligence and technology role. And two ones. Yeah, we can just ignore that. <laughs> yeah, your setup work is not looking like it's going to be able to help you get there any faster. So it's just time to put the math together, crunch numbers, get the machines running, and hope none of the static electricity from running this thing causes any short outs or anything like that, because you're going to start accumulating a little paradox here. Remember you have quintessence. You've got three points of quintessence on you that you can work with to help lower the difficulty. Each point can be spent to lower one of the roll difficulties by one. You can spend all three of them on one roll if you want, one roll, one point on each of the three rolls or not as you please. And you got willpower as well. Yeah, true. And I do really want this to work. So I'm at least going to spend, not going to spend all my quintessence yet, because we are going to go into territory that we do not understand or know. Um, so I'm going to spend one quintessence to lower the difficulty on the first roll, because preferably we get there within an hour. Um, can you remind me how willpower works in this version? One point of willpower is one automatic success, and ones cannot take that success away. So even if you roll all ones on your next die roll after spending a point of willpower, you still get one success that cannot be taken away, and it is not a botch. Got it. So I'm going to spend one willpower as well. All right. And you need to accumulate eight successes, so this is going to take a minimum of two rolls. Yep. So that's three successes within the first roll. No paradox backlashes on the first roll. Any willpower or such on the second roll or no? Yeah, I'm thinking because uh, resource management. Um, I don't want to screw myself over late in in later parts, but I also don't, really do not want to botch this roll and have a Harry Potter scenario where one of us ends up in a totally different place. Um, so I'm going to spend one more willpower to prevent that. Yeah, we don't want anyone getting splinched or spliced or something like that. Mm -mm. No, we're now at six successes total, which means I still need one more success on the third roll, I think. Right? Two more successes for eight. We need a total of eight successes. Yeah, I'm doing resource management in my head. 
Oh, uh, take your time. These are hard choices. This is costing a lot, but it's worth it. Okay, yeah, one more point of willpower because I'm pretty sure I will be able to get this in one in one more go. And we're also going to have you roll stamina first or as well on that second roll because you start to get a bit of static backlash from the paradox buildup. One level of bashing if you don't soak it. So is that just a pure stamina roll? Pure stamina. So one level of bashing. That's fine. She's just looking very bruised. Yep. And bruises don't last for very long, but on your third roll, you do manage to get it. It total of four hours of work for what otherwise would have been an eight-hour trip. And no final backlash. Yay. So she... Uh... I don't think we filled yet because we did not actively put violence in the proximity of the ring. And I put violence to myself. <laughs> no, no, no. You weren't you, you weren't doing violence on someone else to do this. Paradox is not violence. Punching someone is violence. Or initiating the punch is punching somebody is violence. Trying to get someone to stop attacking you is very different. I'm not going to penalize you if you don't fold for the first blow. So you guys have seen Anne write a bunch in the first hour, then started to twist and turn different knobs over and over and over again for about four hours. And then all of a sudden a bruise appears on her arm because she, for some reason, strains her her wrist in a way that it shouldn't be possible and that's when she op- she can open up the portal and she said uh, uh, I mean after you everyone quickly goes through the portal because it's not going to be stable for very long and it came out in a the most convenient place that you could appear in not a hotel room or, or a restaurant but actually at the Bern train station which is not horribly far from where the museum holding the auction is. Public bathroom there. And luckily, it's not odd for the three of you to happen to come out of a women's bathroom at the same time. Want to find out more about the story? Join our Discord channel. The link is in the description.